0: Hi everybody welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged and today's episode we have the very wonderful Susan Pierce Thompson with us um who is well I've read part of your bio and I've got to say I'm pretty much blown away by like the way that you've overcome some of the greatest obstacles which we're going to talk about in a moment and how you basically channeled it into something amazing so uh as always before we jump into this the show is sponsored by story on blueprint.com and of course Brightline if what was it? I'm I've messed it up. It's Brightwine.
1: <laughs> BrightlineEating.com.
0: BrightlineEating. How do I mess that up? So brightlineeating.com. Links will be in the description and below this as always. Um so with that being said, Belgium one moment. With that being said, and no further mishaps, so to say we have our guest, Susan here. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh, Adel, it's good to be here with you.
0: Oh, I'm sorry that we had to like reschedule this, because we originally had this a couple of days ago. I had some uh, dental work that needed to be done, and honestly, if you had heard me that day, you would have been like, could you just type all your questions, please? And I'd be sat here typing away. <laughs> like, oh,
1: brutal. I'm glad it's behind you. Yeah, I hope it's been a speedy recovery.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, the uh, dentist I have is a really good friend of mine, and... Um, He's really gentle. Like, uh, I had a root canal done uh, not too long ago, and I fell asleep during the procedure. Wow. Yeah, nice. You, impressive. Yeah. And without, <laughs> uh, like, just local anesthetic, I wasn't out cold. I was awake during the entire thing. I just kept falling asleep because he was so gentle with it. It's surprising. Oh, but anyways, nice. so with, without me kind of butchering your story so much to say, I want to hear about this because you went from someone, if I remember correctly... You were an addict that basically turned it around. And now you're a professor. You're an author, and you have some amazing stuff as well. Just go for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I kind of I'm one of these people that likes to live kind of on the white hot tip of life. I just um, I just like I like risk. I like adventure. I like aliveness, um, and so it's taken me to some interesting places for sure. Uh, yeah, drug addiction being one of them, and you know, earning a PhD and becoming a tenured psychology professor being another one yeah
0: it's funny what you can do when you actually kind of channel what you do to something else
1: yeah um yeah i mean i i I see everything that i've done in my life as being sort of different channels for the same sort of set of impulses right the same set of set of circumstances and you know when people have um you know a uh, an endowment you know, of a, of a certain type, I think it can go like that. Right. You know, like I, I, I just sort of was born, I don't know. (laughs) I was, I was born liking, liking the extremes in life or just tending toward the extreme. I do not even necessarily like them. I just tend toward them. You know, it's hard for me not to. Um, Yeah.
0: No, that's just like, so true because like, I know how you feel. It's kind of like the same as when someone says they, um, like for me, one of my extremes is I love competition. Like, I crave competition mm. in everything. There is literally mm-hmm. nothing in my life that I cannot do without, uh, com- uh, Without, com- if it's non-competitive, I don't want to do it. Interesting. It's, yeah. It's one of my impulses is that um, it's like this strive to always be the best, but, like, I wouldn't say, because I, I read this recently in, like, psychological profiles, because that's what I love doing is one of the things, is like, looking at psychology of people. I mean, I'm a copywriter for the goodness. The reason I'm actually that is because you get to play with people's psychology using words. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. Well, that just gives like a guy like me that kind of ability to like, uh, oh, so this word means this to someone. <laughs> Let's see what happens here. um But with that being said, no, one of the things that I was reading was uh, how the difference between alpha and o- omega males. Like basically, uh, a male that is seen as alpha, kind of the quarterback, the guy that's at the front, and you have the omega, which is like the quiet dude in the background that's a badass as well. Now I'm like, I'm somewhere in the middle between the two of these. <laughs>
1: yeah i haven't I haven't read that I mean I've certainly yeah alpha alpha male I've certainly heard of an alpha male
0: um every woman anywhere on earth has probably heard of that by now. Thank you dating industry
1: <laughs> yeah I mean um yeah, I'm probably an alpha female
0: would be my guess. I uh, guess <laughs> no <laughs> you are you're just straight up. that's all it is. but bear with me one moment. I just need to quickly check something there we go and we're back um essentially it was just there was a recording mishap i did earlier i wanted to make sure that we actually captured your voice because i've actually done interviews one interview before where um we couldn't hear the guest and then the other one was where you couldn't hear me and Uh it was brilliant because my guest was laughing and he sounded like a crazy person for 30 minutes at one point i was like yes i made him i made him look like a crazy person (laughs) oh dear (gasps) That's you know, funny. It's always brilliant, but okay. So we're recording this on Valentine's Day of all days. What are you doing today? Like, what are your plans? What are your plans? Because I'm like hours ahead of you.
1: Well, um, I've kind of already done my Valentine's Day celebration. So this morning, um, I woke up, you know, before dawn as I always do, and I went into my meditation room, and my husband had a beautiful um, gift basket, like a like a like a pink satchel with a bunch of pink tissue paper and he'd given me a bunch of lingerie um, from Victoria's secret and uh, a, a Bluetooth uh, subwoofer speaker thing that can connect with my iPhone wirelessly and play my tunes. Cause I'm a big Prince fan and um, uh, yesterday Prince music um, started streaming on, on all Spotify, the, the on services. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Spotify and in Pandora and all that. So, um, I'm a huge Prince fan. And so mostly I've been listening to my iPod, which has all my Prince music on it, but now I can use my iPhone. So he gave me this, uh, speaker thing so that when we travel, um, I like to play my Prince music in the shower and stuff when we travel, And so he gave me the speaker thing. So I opened those presents and then did my meditation. And um, I bought three cards, one for each of our daughters. We have three daughters and I filled those out this morning and had them sitting on the table at their breakfast spots when they came down for breakfast. And, um, for my husband, um, we actually went out on Saturday night. So we're not doing our Valentine's thing tonight, although I imagine we'll have sex tonight. But um, on Saturday night, we went out um, to the fancy dinner and the, you know, the roses and all that. Um, and I got him um, a, a, a card, a beautiful card, and I wrote, you know, some heartfelt sentiments in there. And I got him a box that I had carved on in in, what do you call it engraved on the top of it the chinese symbol for together
0: oh that's adorable
1: and in the box i put rose petals from haifa israel um that when we got married which was um coming up on 18 years ago a woman of our religious faith were baha'is um went to Haifa, Israel, to the holy shrines of the Baha'i faith and prayed for our marriage at the threshold of the shrines and put roses down as she prayed and then dried those roses into, you know, dried rose petals and gave those rose petals to us for our wedding gift. So I took half of them and I put them in that box that says together and I gave them to him for um, for Valentine's Day. So, um, yeah, Valentine's Day is pretty much done in my neck of the world. We've done it already. I know it's February 14th. My kids are giving out their cards and stuff to their classmates and stuff today. But um, we've already done our the bulk of our celebrating um,
0: already. That's pretty awesome. And by the way, I'm so glad. This is the first Baha'i person we've actually had on the podcast. And also probably the second Baha'i person I've ever spoken to in my entire life. So it's kind of like oh, really interesting. So w- w- you and I will have to have a conversation outside of all of this, just about that, because um, I grew up in a multi-religious family. So there you go. Yeah. So religiously speaking, I'm Muslim. Uh huh. But my cousins are Hindu, Jewish, Christian, and Sikh. Like, and these aren't like you know, oh, they're my cousins. No, these are my first blood cousins. They're like, Jimmy, you are Christian. <laughs> what we do yeah nice so it's actually quite a lot of fun just having that but okay so i get the fact that like you know you lived at this level and essentially it's kind of like a drive isn't it essentially what it is is that you're just driven to do things sometimes not enjoyable as you said but you feel like if you don't do them you're missing out am i right heading the right direction yeah
1: I think that's fair. I mean, I've come to learn that I have a very addictable brain. So some of my drives come from that, you know, um, my drives for food and drugs and sex and um, maybe adventure and activity and things like that, um, I think, come from the part of my brain that's very easily wired for addiction. Uh, And so a lot of my other impulses have been around just figuring out how to rein that in. Like I'm in recovery. I, I work the 12 steps and I'm, I do a lot of, um, you know, inner growth work, meditation stuff. Like I just do a lot. I've been in therapy. I'm not now, but I have been for, you know, a good percentage of my 42 years on earth I've, I've been in therapy. And so I, I've just done a lot of things to sort of, um, I guess, learn how to be a good shepherd of the brain that I have like be be able to navigate life adaptively and successfully um given you know the sort of cards I was dealt which is you know yeah I've got I've got a lot of um gifts you know like I've got some smarts on board and um some other talents and capacities but I've also got you know some some things that if I don't uh if Running. I don't learn how to manage them, they'll take me down. Basically, I'm <laughs> um, I'm sort of wired for self combustion. So um, I've had to learn how to, you know, how to how to be a good steward of 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 my brain. Running. Essentially, yeah.
0: I know. I you're preaching to the converted in the choir right here. Essentially, the um, I think it was Metallica recently released an album called Hardwired for Destruction. <laughs> my friend yeah. saw that, and the first message to me was like this just reminds me of you. I was like, well, I'm not destructive. They're like, they're like, no, you're not I because, because you've learned how to control that the six inches between your brain, like between your ears, you, yeah. you've learned to control that thing and rein it in. But totally. you do like, cause just, just to level everyone. Um, and a lot of people on this podcast, listen to the show. They kind of know the story. Some people don't. Um, before I was 18, I had seven suicide attempts mm. and they weren't normal. Like, okay. When I say suicide attempts, you know how like, kids kind of like go or teenagers and young adults they kind of go through that suicidal feeling of all their hormones going everywhere and they like slit their wrists and they kind of want to die but they don't really try and do it like you can tell it's a cry for desperation right right no no no. this was like straight up i'm gonna kill myself like things i did should have killed me um the most prevalent being i jumped off a building like a a seven-story building like head fast dude like, you know, like, a sw- you know, like how a diver dives into water, like head first? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I went down. And I didn't break my neck, which is a goddamn miracle. And so, right. I somehow. survived. How did down. you
1: not break your neck? Diving off, like landing on concrete?
0: I landed on concrete on the left side of my face. No scarring, <sighs> no bruising, no broken bones. Literally got up two or three minutes later after blacking out, as you would, got up, went back up and collected my gym bag, because I had my gym bag with me, and went home. And actually, like, <gasps> nothing happened. Um, like, <laughs> Holy six, shit. six hours later, I woke up in the middle of the night throwing up blood. Like, so much blood. Um, my mom rushed me to the hospital. They looked at my x-rays, and they were like, you've got two bruised ribs and a crap load of internal bleeding. What have you been doing? Now, at the time, I was, like, training for fights in Thai boxing, and, you know, I was really into my Muay Thai. And I just said that I, I was training really, really hard that day and that my ribs hurt because some guy kicked me in the ribs. That was essentially i lied my way through it. But, like, I had those happen to me. I realized as I got older and looked back at it, I said, okay, what am I doing here? So, well, essentially, when I get frustrated with the world, I need semblance and balance. And if I can't find balance and order, I create order by creating destruction. So that's yeah. the way, like, my brain worked it out. And now I realized, like, you know, I channel all that stuff in to my work.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I, I I, you're dude, you're hardcore. You are hardcore. I feel listening to you. Like I think a lot of people feel listening to me, but I, yeah, I mean, you are hardcore. You know, it's interesting. I've actually never been suicidal, not even a little bit, not even for a day. Um, I've done things that, you know, that could have killed me for sure. Um, I mean, I used to do crystal meth for and not sleep or eat or drink water for seven to nine days at a time. Um, and just stay up snorting lines, stay up snorting lines, stay up snorting lines, you know, mostly just playing pool. (laughs) I got really good at pool when I was a teenager. Um, so I've done stuff like that. That's, you know, it, it, it puts you pretty close. I mean, I dropped out of high school and became a call girl and smoked a lot of crack cocaine and, um, you know, essentially homeless and all that. But I wasn't trying to kill myself. I was just trying to get higher. I mean, I was just trying, I just wanted more drugs essentially. Um,
0: So you went to the next level is what you were after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Push push the envelope, push I mean, you know, you, once you get to a level, you acclimate to it, right? Like it doesn't feel when you're, when you're doing it, it doesn't feel that out there, you know,
0: um, it's like the same with business and health and eating. Like once you acclimate to something, it no longer feels like a, a cut. So for instance, I'll give you an example. Sorry to interrupt just like a quick little side note here. It's like if you accumulate to like 100k and that was a big goal for you, once you've done 100k a couple of times, you're like, okay, this is normal. What's next?
1: Totally. Totally.
0: I'm assuming that's how you Yeah. It.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. I mean, I, I I my business has grown really really fast and I um, you know, I I'm I'm in the business of just serving people. So I just, I take everything that comes into the business. I just push it right back out to reach more people. Um, So I just reinvest, reinvest, reinvest in, you know, growth, reaching more people, the message, the movement and all that stuff. But yeah, when I look at the, the systems that I've created and the structures that I've created, you know, I have a staff full-time staff of 25 now and, um, you know, some, I don't know, in the last two and a half years, some 450,000 people have joined my email list. And, um, you know, we do some pretty big launches and reach, you know, we reach a lot of people. I think the last time I put out my free videos on how the brain blocks weight loss um, and the psychology and neuroscience of sustainable weight loss in, I think in two weeks, they were watched by a hundred thousand people in 190 of the 195 countries on earth. So they were watched basically everywhere, including, Mm -hmm. You know, Svalbard, which is the little island nation off the Netherlands, you know, and, uh, you know, Antarctica and places like that where the only countries we didn't hit were places where the Internet's uh, banned, like North Korea and Cuba. Um, so anyway, yeah, it, it, but but your point of adaptation is it's it's something I teach um, in my college course on positive psychology is the hedonic treadmill and how, you know, we just, and sort of the the hedonic set point that we, no matter what we do, we adapt to it so fast and it just becomes our new normal. It becomes our new baseline. And yeah, it's, it's remarkable how, how, um, you know, when I started Bright Line Eating, um, I, I, I took a, a poll of my friends and family, and said, you know, how long do you think it's going to take me to get a, a thousand people on my email list? And it took a long time. It took like eight months or something to get the first wow. thousand people. Um, and then before long, you know, just a f- couple months later, I had ten thousand people. And like three or four months later, I had a hundred thousand people. And then three or four months later, I had two hundred thousand people. And just like,
0: it you just know, grew. It,
1: yeah, and now you know the things that it is, it is sort of weird, that perception. I think money is like that money is, you know, I remember, I remember moments when, you know, um, I'd find, you know, a $5 bill and I felt like I was just, you know, all of a sudden my problems were over and I was rich, you know, Mm -hmm. from finding a $5 bill. And, you know, now in my business, my payroll is so big that, you know, it takes, it takes. Uh, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to catch my attention not that I keep that money again I push it back into the business and growing the movement and spreading the message but it is remarkable how you can add zeros or subtract zeros and it's just it depends on your frame of reference you know
0: entirely it's like that same five dollars is like the richest thing to someone else but to you it's nothing oh I won't say it's nothing but to you it's like that's not a big deal anymore Right. It's, it's scary exactly. how that perception works. And like just to like jump in, it, when you told that story right there, that last part just came to me about, um, it's the exact same reason I carry three trinkets with me in my pocket all times. And it's just uh, to help me with overwhelm. And the first one, for the people at home, because we're not doing this on video, so we can't really show you, but uh, I'll post a photo of these up later. But there's a little slate rock I carry with me that was uh, given to me by my sister all people that basically was the... Um, Anytime I felt down or depressed or upset, I just basically put in my hand and say three grateful things I'm happy about today and instantly snap myself back out. That was mm-hmm. one. The second was when I moved into my apartment that I live in in, uh, in central London, um, the first three months were probably the hardest three months of my life because uh, I got screwed over by the banks and then client screw me over and just basically, I, I think I lost like 25 grand. Um, in the space of three months, which was like my six was was my agreement with my landlord to pay for like six to eight months of my rent there, my living expenses, and uh, so I basically mm. had to go back on a deal that I'd already made, and I really hate doing that with people. Um, so mm. I just basically sat there, I was like trying to figure stuff out, and one day I decided to clean my place, and while I was cleaning it, you know, it was fur- it was furnished anyway. when I moved in, I lifted up one of the seats, and I found, and in the UK you have like two pound coins. Like, mm-hmm. it, there's a one-pound coin, there's a two-pound coin, but this is a 1986 two-pound coin, which I didn't think existed, so they're a little bit older and a little bit heavier. And that just reminded me, if I have just two pounds in my pocket, which is the equivalent of about, say, $3.50 now, um, I've essentially got more money than most people in the world. So mm. perspective. And the third was a friend gave me this about 12 months ago, and it was uh, it was a little marble with the, with the earth's, uh, like, it was blue marble with the earth on it. And his words to me were quite simple. He goes, "Any time you feel overwhelmed, put this in your hand, look at it and go, who's bigger, me or this marble? Like I am. So you're controlling the marble. Yeah. Well, that's how the world is. You control your world. The world doesn't control you because you are bigger than the world. You're just inside it for the time being. Remember celestial and then physical, not the other way around. So it just reminds me that no matter how bad things get or how crazy things get, the world's always in the palm of my hand. As long as I'm grateful, and remember where I came from. So it's just a little fun. It's just a fun little thing that's that. And anyone that's listening to this, trust me, you have your own rituals, but the ones I always tell everyone to have is gratitude. Just simply because Mm. it it just multiplies totally
1: yeah for i taught the gratitude exercise you know you know doing some kind of evening thing there's lots of different ways to do it but to my positive psychology class and just lately i've started to actually do it with my husband so every night Um, before we turn out the lights, we just turn to each other and we just say, what went well today? And we just start to rattle things off in, you know, no particular order, no rhyme, no reason, just, you know, he'll talk, I'll talk. And we just keep going. Sometimes it takes us 20 minutes to exhaust, you know, all the things that went well that day. And um, what's one of the cool things about that is that often we didn't spend every minute of the day together. So we get to hear about what happened in the other person's world, you know, Um, they had lunch with someone and it went went well, here's some of the things they talked about, or, you know, they had a cool exchange with one of our daughters and that went well or whatever, you know, so we hear about each other and we're just, we just focus on the positive, you know, like what went well today. And that's something I used to do with pen and paper by myself, but doing it with my husband each night, we've been doing that for about six months has been a real, um, I think it's part of a bigger connection exercise that we've started to do. It's been a real turning point in our relationship after we do what went well, then we do appreciations and we just Mm -hmm. go back and forth and appreciate each other um, for, you know, anything and everything, big, small, whatever, things we did, ways we are, you know, we just appreciate each other. And then at the end we talk about what we want. So we, expand out to visioning and you know again big little doesn't matter you know um petty financial you know anything around what we want you know That's pretty um awesome. yeah and well, so those, yeah. those are the three things we do before we go to bed every night it's really sweet
0: and to be fair just to add on you can do that if you're single if you don't have a partner right now or even if you do do those uh, cuz it enriches your relationships more importantly like also importantly cuz of the show's audience as well um, you know do this as well for your business Trust me, it's yeah. not, it, it feels like bullshit most of the time. Like you know, oh, I'm really grateful for the fact that I don't have this thing. Don't say that you don't have this thing. Just be grateful for what you have, and it expands. It's one of the weirdest feelings in the world. Like just mm. be grateful that you're you haven't you have the internet. That mm. right there just like makes life so much easier. It's really weird because I'm doing this thing right now throughout the throughout February. I think I've missed five days of it, so I've got to make a five minute video today. It's called the 28 minutes of awesome. Mm. And it's one- how does that work? It's basically usually just one minute videos that I upload to my YouTube channel about one good thing that's awesome where either I talk about it or I address it or I just vlog about something. So today, I haven't done it for like five days. So I've gotta get my camera out afterwards tonight and just do like a five minute video about um, just five minutes of something that's awesome. Whether that's this podcast or having the internet or seeing my sister or um, just having fun with life because there's so much variety in life. Um, but that being said, I want to jump, I want to switch topics a little bit here before we jump into the business side of things. Cause there is something I do want to ask you about that. You've, you've said that your brain, the brain blocks uh weight loss or yeah. Yeah. How does that work? So like, could you quickly just tell us about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so in, in three different ways, um, the first two ways have to do with the foods that we're eating these days, um, and how they rewire the brain. So, um, we have foods today that are refined um, that create a drug-like effect in the brain. So in the same way that, you know, you could eat poppies from a poppy field and, you know, not be particularly affected, but when you take the inner essence of that poppy plant and refine and purify it down into a powder, you create heroin and, um, and that is a drug. So the poppies are not a drug, but heroin is a drug. Um, similarly, coca leaves can be chewed and, you know, they create a tiny numbness in the cheek and a little tiny lift, sort of like drinking half a cup of caf- of caffeinated tea. Um, but when you take the inner essence of those coca leaves and you refine and you purify it down into a powder, you create cocaine. So the, the coca leaves are not a drug. There's actually been a scientific paper published that's, that demonstrates that they're not addictive. But um, cocaine is a drug and it is addictive. So similarly, we've taken foods like beets and corn and wheat and rye and, you know, all these different foods and we've taken their inner essence and we've refined and purified it into a powder. And those drugs, um, sugar and flour are in the majority of our foods now, you know, in, in a grocery store, um, something like 80% of the calories today are laced with sugar or flour. Wow. And so, what that does is it creates an unnatural surge of dopamine, an unnaturally strong surge of dopamine in the nucleus accumbens when we eat those foods. The nucleus accumbens is the drug, addiction, reward, pleasure, motivation center. And, um, You know, I don't know about in the UK where you are, uh, but in the United States, the average American one year old is eating candy every day. 60% of American one year olds are eating candy every day. And the first foods that most babies eat um, are flour. We put. like some kind of rice cereal or, you know, some kind of flour based cereal into the milk uh the bottle milk of a six month old to thicken it up. And that's some of the first food we introduce our kids to. So from, you know, before they can walk, before they can talk, we're feeding them up on sugar and flour. And then every day throughout their entire lives, they eat sugar and flour. And what happens is the flood of dopamine in the nucleus accumbens causes um down regulation, which means the receptors thin out, they become less responsive, less numerous, and um, what that means is that we don't feel right if we're not eating sugar and flour. We feel bleak, we feel itchy, we feel not okay, we feel um, on edge, and when we consider giving them up, we feel desperate and and um, uh, panic-stricken and depressed and bleak. Oh. Um, so this is the same. This is the same effect in the brain as um, cocaine addiction and heroin addiction. And there's some research showing that actually sugar is more addictive than cocaine or heroin. Um, So that's one way. So basically, we eat sugar and flour. They cause dopamine downregulation. It wires our brain for addiction. And that produces cravings. So if anyone's ever experienced a craving, like a hankering for something, you drive across town to get it because it's going to be good, it's going to hit the spot, the specific food that you've got to have, um, you know, the food that you're looking forward to, the food that, you know, really just lights you up, that's caused by the nucleus accumbens and dopamine regulation. So those cravings are hard to resist. Um, and if you try to resist them, it it depletes your willpower pretty extremely.
0: Yep. Preaching to the so, fire there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's the first way that our brains block weight loss is by generating these powerful cravings. Um, the second way is um, because baseline insulin levels have risen. Um, they've risen a lot. Um, they increase dramatically throughout grade school and into high school um, and On average, baseline levels are way, way, way higher than they should be. So insulin has to do with blood sugar regulation and diabetes and things like that. But it also, um, a a study about 10 years ago showed that insulin does something else that's very uh, important and um, sort of catastrophic. What it does is it blocks leptin in the brain.
0: Oh, that's not good.
1: No, leptin is the hormone that tells you you're full and it's time to get active, to burn off all the calories that you just ate in service of, you know, building a hut or finding a mate or killing a wildebeest or some other action to ensure your survival. Um, Leptin is the hormone that says you've eaten enough, now go use this fuel. And if leptin is being blocked in the brain, the signal never comes. So this is why we have people eating on the couch late into the night. So, you know, they've had dinner already. They're not actually physically hungry, but they've had dinner. Now they're eating a bag of chips or you would say crisps, you know, in front of the TV. And when the bag is done, they're going to the freezer to see if there's any ice cream. And they keep eating um, even though their bodies don't need any more food. So this is a a new kind of hunger that's on the scene. I call it insatiable hunger. It's hunger that's not actually satisfied by eating. (laughs) Um, Normal hunger is satisfied by eating. This kind of hunger is is impervious to how much you've eaten. It doesn't care. It still wants more. Um, And so that's another way that the brain is blocking weight loss. This insulin that's blocking leptin is making it so that an obese person um, actually shows all the physiological markers of starvation. They keep eating, but their brain continues to believe that they're starving because it can't see the leptin that's circulating in the blood. Um, so the brain will demand more and more and more food and it will demand that we stay sedentary. The signal to get moving, uh, never comes. The leptin can't be seen. So that signal to get moving never comes. So the brain forces us to be sedentary and to keep eating. Um, so that's the second way. And then the third way affects all of us all the time. It's called the willpower gap. And the willpower gap, um, refers to the fact that willpower is not always available. Willpower is available when we're refreshed and replenished. But after we um, engage in any number of activities, the activities of daily life, basically like checking email or sitting in traffic or dealing with kids or um, working on our business or any of those basic activities, that depletes our willpower. So then after some period of time doing that, we go thinking it's time to get something to eat. And suddenly we find ourselves deciding to order takeout or get a pizza or something like that. And we wonder, well, why did I make that decision? That's not in line with my health goals. Um, But that's basically the willpower gap, that there's a finite amount of willpower available and it gets depleted from all the activities that we do all the time. And basically in, in thinking that losing weight or being healthy or fit is just a matter of learning what to eat and what not to eat. And then trusting that because we want it bad enough, we want to be thin, we want to be happy, we want to be fit. You know, we want to live in a right sized body because we want it bad enough. We will execute the right, food choices in the moment on an ongoing basis for days upon days upon weeks upon months upon years. that's just not the way the brain works. We're asking the brain to do something it just wasn't designed to do. Um, certainly not in this modern day climate. So um, yeah, so brightline eating is a program that basically understands that at any given moment you may not have any willpower at all and works anyway. So it it helps to solve that problem of execution, of what exactly, you know, what your food choices are going to be in the moment over the long term.
0: That's amazing. And, of course, you've just written a book about all of this, haven't you?
1: I have. It's called Bright Line Eating, The Science of Living Happy, Thin and Free. And uh, it comes out March 21st um, in the United States. I assume it comes out in the UK. I don't know I'm exactly it comes how out the, in the UK, UK. stuff does works, but you can buy it on Amazon. They'll ship yeah. It to you. Yeah. yeah, it's 25. built for pre-order on Amazon.
0: Yeah, guys go over to amazon.com and check it out even if you're in the UK I'm sure you can ship it over it's absolutely brilliant and if I remember correctly you've got a couple of issues for us haven't you
1: um, a few books available yes um, I I do believe you know I don't know the link though uh, this is something that my team is setting up now Adil and I don't know I um, so I don't know where to send people oh I think oh wait I think it's brightlineeatingcom forward slash giveaways, I think that's it. Let me see if I can type that in and see if it works.
0: Sure. I mean, if it isn't, uh, once you know, we'll basically upload the link directly underneath, so you guys can go check that out in the interim while in uh, chat.
1: Yeah, Is that would it? be great.
0: Cool, 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 cool. So yeah, um, guys, that's actually amazing. Now, I do have one last question as always, because, well, actually, I have two, so many questions, but for time constraint, I want to go ahead and ask these two questions in particular. Um, and the first is, uh, now usually at this point, I ask the whole thing about three things that someone can do, but we're going to change it up a little bit. So the first question I want to ask you is, when when you've had your confidence completely shot to smithereens, you're at that border point where you don't know what you want to do anymore, how did you kind of build yourself back up? That's one. And two, based on like the research you just talked about and all the work that you just talked about, what, is someone, what can someone do in order to actually combat their cravings to start with and B, basically increase the amount of leptin that their body and brain can absorb. Uh,
1: Well, let's take the second one first. The second one is um, we talk about adopting bright, bright lines. A bright line is a clear, unambiguous boundary that you just don't cross. Like if you're going to quit smoking, you throw up a bright line for cigarettes. You're not going to have any ever, no exceptions. And we talk about bright lines for sugar and flour. That's basically the fastest way to get the dopamine receptors to heal and regenerate and the lept- the insulin to go down so that your brain can see the leptin that's circulating in your blood. Um, that's the number one way is adopt a bright line for sugar and flour. Now, that's hard to do for a lot of people. And so the bright line eating program sort of teaches you how to do that. Um, but some people do just hear that message, stop eating sugar and flour. And they do. They go on their <laughs> merry way and are all the healthier for it. Dampen. Um, yeah. and then your first question was, How do you
0: well, how do you bounce
1: back when you feel like you're at your bottom? Is yeah. that the question?
0: Yeah, very much. Very much so you basically weigh it better than I did.
1: Um, <laughs> you know my answer to that is, um sort of work a program, find a system. Like don't do it by yourself. Um, don't reinvent the wheel on that. I think there's a lot of ways to turn it around and get back on your feet. Um, you know, if it's a drug problem, some people go to rehab. I went to a 12 step program, you know, um, if it's a food issue, a weight issue, bright line eating can definitely help with that, you know, um, but get support. I think a lot of people try to accomplish really challenging things on their own and just, you know, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. And I'm not a fan of that approach. Um, like I've, I've been a You know, pretty successful in growing and spreading the bright line eating message. And I've I've gotten a lot of support for myself in the last two and a half years. I'm in mastermind groups. I've hired coaches. um, I've I've bought online programs and courses on how to how to build an email list, how to launch a an online course, how to how to do stuff. And I, you know, I I prefer not to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of people out there who figured out how to do a lot of cool stuff. My niche is in you know, helping people who have never been able to keep off their excess weight, um, to 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 do that, to lose all their excess weight and then finally keep it off. That's that's my area of expertise. I'm a badass at that. I'm really really good at it. My husband calls me the thin engineer because I can get anybody thin and keep them that way, if they're willing. If they're super, if they're not willing, I can't I can't help them. But if they're yeah. willing, that's my area. But you know, whatever it is that you need to do, whatever it is you want to do, find somebody that's a badass at that and get their help. Like, don't do it by yourself.
0: And you are a badass at practically so many things. I mean, I've only known you for, like, less than an hour. and I can already tell that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank please. you, thank
0: you. Cool. So, anyway, guys, just very quickly, go to brightlineeating.com. Uh, bother the crap out of Susan and all her team as much as possible, please, because it's always fun to, um, you know, go ahead and bother people. But in a good way that goes ahead and gets them uh, to share great information, invest in their programs and products, get the damn book. I mean, we've got we got a limited amount that basically I think Susan's given away. Uh, links will be in the description and on the site once we have them. But as always, you guys have been uh, a great audience. And Susan, thank you for taking the time to do this podcast today.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Adil. It's really been great to be with you.
0: Likewise. Um, so guys, go check out brightlineeating.com. And as always, we'll see you on the next episode of Avala Marcy Unplugged.